0: Hey everyone, welcome to part three of the series on emotional devaluation. On this episode, we're talking about insecure relationships. Insecure relationships in general is a huge topic with a massive amount of information worthy of its own series. But for this episode, I'm gonna focus on the role insecure relationships play within emotionally abusive relationships. As always, Thank you for giving me your time and listening to the show. Summer is now on the backside and coming to a close, and very soon fall will be with us. With that comes football season, tailgating, back to school, and the dreaded work week. It can be extremely hard to juggle everything while still making time for yourself. Having a solid self-care routine will undoubtedly make your life better. And one of the best forms of self-care is physical activity you get from a dedicated and planned fitness routine. The overall health benefits from physical activity can lead to increased energy levels, cognitive function, and self-esteem. And it also aids in reducing anxiety and depression. There is no better time than right now to put that renewed focus back on your physical health. And my amazing friend Michelle has put together a plan that you can start on today whether at home or in the gym, she has it all laid out for you. So I want you to head over to hardtodisposefitness.com and check out the six-week transformation program Michelle has created. This is an excellent program for beginners and athletes alike. Again, that's hardtodisposefitness.com and get the six-week transformation program. Not only will you be supporting your overall physical and mental health, you will also be supporting a veteran-owned small business. And if you need more proof of the results, you can check out Michelle on Instagram or TikTok at bomb.shell1. That's B-O-M-B period C-H-E-L-L-E, the number one, and see for yourself. Oh, and also show some love for Tango while you're there. That site again is hardtodisposefitness.com. Check it out today. The episode you're about to hear contains references on the subject of abuse and suicide. The content in this episode is for educational purposes only. Please seek assistance, therapy, and guidance from qualified mental health professionals. If you are hurting and having thoughts of harming yourself, please, please pick up your phone and dial 988 for the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. If you're in need of immediate assistance regarding abuse, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or text the word START to eight eight seven eight eight. Have you ever personally experienced a moment in a relationship where something just felt off or something little, or maybe it was big, either you witnessed it or it was just, I don't know, a feeling in your gut that was telling you something was off, something giving you a sense of caution, you know, something saying that dog won't hunt. Maybe it was the telling of a little white lie. Or it was a deliberate lie that your partner told to someone else. Or maybe it was a revelation from your partner about some past experience they had. Where the details raised more questions inside of you than it provided understanding about what they experienced. Did you say anything about it? Did you ask deeper probing questions? Hmm? What were the responses? Were they dismissive of how you felt? Did they chalk it up to some misunderstanding on your part? Did they revise what they initially said to something that made even less sense? Did they deflect onto something somewhat or even totally unrelated? did they promise or even imply they would do something specific some specific action to honor how you were feeling what were your partner's actions afterwards did they lack like follow through with what they said they would do did they just hit you up with an increase of <laughs> words of adoration maybe an increase of physical attention maybe an increase in affection through gifts. or like those little love notes. Well, that gut feeling you had was an insecurity that had been formed. Those responses to your questions, where your feelings were dismissed, you felt confused, or were told it was your fault for misunderstanding them, that's gaslighting. And those actions that followed were love-bombing distractions. So you would be more focused on their physical offerings that you would then choose to ignore and overlook the doubt. The beginning of a relationship with an emotional abuser is euphoric. It is euphoric. You have met this incredible person who seems to have all of the traits and qualities you have been looking for. Sex, amazing. They love it as much as you do and love the same things you do. Do you have a traumatic past? Wow. They do too. And they want you to know it immediately. They probably even have the exact same traumatic experiences as you. And it just illustrates how much alike you are to bond over your shared similar experiences. And you share in mutual sympathy and empathy for what you both endured. This honeymoon phase of a relationship with an emotional abuser is unlike any other. It is a fast-paced whirlwind of love that can go from a first date to talking about marriage in days. I know that. And why not? They are so perfect for you. You won the lottery. You found your soulmate. Nearly every emotionally abusive relationship I have heard about, read about, and even the one I escaped from, all I've started under similar honeymoon conditions. And all with the same type of insecurity moment or moments in the very beginning. And this is all by design. It is all deliberate. Insecure relationships are essential for emotionally abusive relationships to exist. It is within this insecure realm the abuser executes their abuse. And abusers will test you. They will test you in the beginning. They're going to, to see how you react. And then they'll rely entirely on their love-bombing ability to determine their level of influence over you. And it is from this beginning they will structure how they will act and how the abuse cycle will look for the remainder of the relationship. They learn what you notice, how well you pick up on things, how you think through things and how you react to those things. If you pick up on something quickly and show an ability to meticulously work through it, they know they will need to be more secretive and more subtle in their actions. And they will look to ensure they have the reasons for their behavior well established before you are made aware of what they've done. Now, the only time this strategy really fails is when a victim accidentally discovers something. In this moment, the abusers typically go overboard to gaslight their way out of it and just quickly move on, leaving the issue totally unresolved. And the victim usually left questioning reality and possibly even believing they were to blame for it. And emotional abusers aren't just deliberate in the honeymoon phase. Emotional abusers are very selective and deliberate in who they target. And they do have a type. They will deliberately search out someone who has any combination of the following. Unheal wounds from past childhood trauma. Unhealed survivors of prior emotional abuse. Strong characteristics of anxious and avoidant attachment styles. Strong will. Strong sense of justice. Easily trusting. Low self-esteem. Low self-worth. Intelligence. Dependency on others for support. Strong empathy for others, highly and fiercely loyal, and even ADHD. And this is not an exhaustive list, but what I just listed makes up an overwhelmingly large number of victims. The unfortunate truth is that nearly all of these chosen victims will not even begin to understand what made them a target until after. The abuse ends, and they learn through their healing process. A person, for example, who has unhealed prior abuse, a strong sense of justice, easily trusts, strongly empathizes with others, and is fiercely loyal to their friends, will be someone who will hear their abusers' fabricated stories of past trauma instantly empathize with them. They will trust their words because who in the hell would lie about such a thing? And because of their strong sense of justice, well, now they become fiercely loyal to the abuser, who is, by the way, simultaneously showering them with verbal and physical affection like they've never experienced before. It's the soulmate. Now, insecure relationships are the outcome of the emotional abuse cycle, and not all of the moments in this cycle are major events. It can be as profound as infidelity, or it can be as subtle as a small, humiliating comment that's passed off as a joke. And the abuser knows what they're doing the entire time. Abusers never see anything They do as being wrong. It is your reaction to their abuse. That is what's wrong. And they will use your reaction to justify the abuse that led to it. It is a sick and twisted logic. But it is. It's the reality in which they operate. And again, it is all about power and control over the relationship dynamic. And once they know how to get a reaction from you, the blood is in the water. And they will continue to feed. They need it. They need your goodness. They need that torn down and your anger to their behavior. They need that to satisfy their dopamine addiction. Abusers operate on self-hate. They do. They hate themselves. They absolutely do. And to feel better about themselves, they must project their hate onto others. And abusers will use a range of methods to get this done. One of the most destructive methods they use is humiliation. And I, I spoke about this at length in part two. And so if you've ever, if you've never, yeah, if you've never been subjected to the effects of prolonged humiliation by a loved one, you're going to find it very hard to understand the pain that is inside victims and survivors who have endured it. And it is fucking miserable. Spoiler alert. It is fucking miserable. Enduring, humiliating abuse will erode. It absolutely will erode your self-esteem and self-worth. And most victims never know what is even happening to them until the relationship ends. That is how... Just nefarious and subtle, it is. And you say that it is a slowly er, slow erosion. It is just little bits at a time, and you and you don't realize how much of yourself has been given away. One of the reasons why is because. They've all been conditioned, conditioned to feel like they have to earn back the love that they were promised and given during the honeymoon phase. This abuser was so full of love towards them, showering them with it, going out of their way to show it, doing everything they can to show it. And then, without warning, it just goes away or slowly evaporates, and it is steadily replaced with devaluation. Victims really do begin to believe they did something wrong to warrant this, and they begin to behave in ways that they feel will earn the love again. I've said it before. It's I, I, it's an addiction. The abuser is addicted to to the reactions, the negativity, the, the, to that dopamine. But the victims are addicted. They're it's it it is no different than golf. You will have people out there hitting a ball around, and they will play hundreds of rounds. Chasing that one shot that keeps them going. And each time they line up on the ball, that's going to be the shot. And then it sucks, and that next one's going to be the one. And then that sucks, and you just keep doing it. It's an addiction. And when you get that little nugget, Of love reciprocated. You stay in it. And the cycle continues. Like a hamster on a wheel ever chasing an unattainable goal. Because you will never, (laughs) you will never receive love from someone who is incapable of loving someone else. Much less themselves. And that's harsh to hear. But it's the truth. Double standards are another method that creates more insecurity in a relationship. Now, this is the entitled. The entitled do as I say, not as I do mentality. And double standards uh, happen When the abuser has expectations for certain behavior of their victims. But they do not hold themselves to the same expectations. Pretty simple. They will tell you lying to them is not tolerated. All the while they are lying to you at will. And will even blame you for why they did it you will be chastised for speaking at all to a stranger of the opposite sex. While your abuser, eh, they're in constant communication with members of the opposite sex. And sometimes they do it openly. Other times they just keep it hidden. Abusers absolutely would never, would never tolerate the things they are doing to you being done to them. Healthy communication? Mm. Abusers will outright demand that they need and deserve to be heard and validated. Yet they'll deny it for you. And I've experienced this one many times. When I would ask that what I'm bringing to be discussed, or at least Validate what I'm feeling. And I was told they needed to feel validated too. And then began talking about how they felt, what they wanted, even changing the subject entirely. Never coming back to what I was saying. Or if I was adamant, coming back to it only to tell me that I was wrong for feeling the way that I felt. I should be feeling it their way. And when this happens, over a long period of time, you begin to shut down. You're afraid to open up. You begin to question if how you are feeling is actually wrong. And these double standards are not just reserved for intimate relationships. They can apply to others. Abusers will publicly display this character trait unabashedly. And they'll do it in a way where only those who know the full story can pick up on it. Now, my ex is extremely gifted with this one. She has this ability. Now, she's been a tremendous case study in how abusers operate. And now that I'm removed from the abuse, it has been very easy to observe her behaviors behind it. And the double standard is a major one. It's also widely seen, known, and discussed that she behaves this way. So, my ex has been very outspoken, more so. Um, since we separated, about empowering women and how we should all be treating women with more respect and how unfair it is that women are victims of a male-dominated system. In all three of these, yes, we should be empowering women. We should be treating women with more respect. And yes, women are victims of a male-dominated system. But I guess that she felt, my ex, that by embracing this narrative, it would galvanize more support to her public smearing of me. But while she would be using social media to promote empowerment and respect for women, she was simultaneously disrespecting the very people she says we all should be respecting and empowering. My ex was having an affair at the end of our marriage with a married coworker of hers. When the now ex-wife of this man learned of who she was, she looked for her on social media. And after simply viewing an Instagram story, viewing, no messaging, no communication at all, no confrontation, just viewing a story post. Well, she was immediately blocked. My ex changed her profile name, her Instagram handle name, and then blocked her, and then blocked this woman on every social media platform. And it's, and it look, and the blocking took place within five minutes of viewing. How is this empowering to the ex wife? How is this showing her any level of respect? Then there were my daughters, one of which was extremely close with my ex. But they were not immune to this. After the split, my ex immediately began treating them like she was treating me. She went from talking to them daily um, to instantly just randomly sending them texts Not every other month. She would reach out directly to them, asking to see them. And after my, after my oldest daughter met with her the first time, it was very quickly realized that my ex was only doing it to tell her things that she wanted told back to me. Abused by proxy. Hell, my ex still has photos of the girls up on her social media account. Captions. About how much she loves them, I'm proud of them. My girls. Will you find a like or a comment from my daughters on these posts? Yep. Nope. But it's not because they didn't like or comment on them. They actually did. No, it is because out of nowhere, my ex just up and blocked them without warning or reason. But she wants you to know that she loves them. She went from texting them every day about how much she missed them, wanted to meet them, telling them she loved them, telling them how much they meant to her, and even a happy birthday in there, to just removing them. But how is this empowering? How is this showing them respect? The respect that we're supposed to be showing. Women. Again. This is a woman who is proudly supporting And expecting all of us to empower women more, as we should be, and respect women more, as we should be. But she's doing it while treating women with utter disrespect. Women who did nothing to her except exist. Double standard. Oh, and to her stance. When women being victims of a male dominated system, well, kind of comes across as hollow and empty and really does nothing to address that issue when it's coming from a person that abuses men. Now, that's not a double standard, it's just a truthful statement. So, humiliation, double standards, feed contribute, um, create insecurities inside of these relationships? Again, there's just a couple of the methods, right? But how do these relationships affect victims of abuse? Well, there's no repairing or resolving insecurities in an emotionally abusive relationship. It's just... Uh, overwhelmingly. It, it's... Very extremely... Uh, I'm not going to say impossible. It is extremely unlikely and very difficult to do. Maybe on the rarest of occasions where the abuser is accepting of responsibility and accountability for what they've done and both people in the relationship commit to therapy and repairing the damage maybe maybe in this circumstance those insecurities and emotional damage can be repaired and resolved but the overwhelming majority the 99.9% of emotionally abusive relationships are so devastating to a victim that getting out of it and getting away from the abuser is the only is the only solution The short and long-term effects of emotional abuse on victims can lead to a range of physical and mental health issues. And it requires significant recovery and therapy to overcome. And in some cases, the damage is so severe that it is lifelong. Short-term effects. From emotional abuse include confusion, fear, hopelessness, shame, moodiness, nightmares, difficulty concentrating, muscle fatigue, aches and pains, increased blood pressure, I sure as hell know that one, and suicidal ideations, that one as well. Long-term effects, well those include low self-esteem low self-worth, depression, anxiety, chronic pain, guilt, insomnia, social withdrawal, loneliness, and suicidal ideations. The deliberate whittling down of another human being's mental health is abhorrent. There is a reason why emotional abuse is considered a criminal act. But emotional abuse is incredibly complex. It's difficult to address. It's not always black and white. Emotional abuse is not as easy to identify as physical or sexual abuse is. But it is very real. And it is very damaging. Victims and survivors often struggle to report it. Sometimes out of shame. Or because they have come to believe, through the abuse, that they somehow deserve it. That they brought it on themselves. Sometimes. Sometimes it's out of fear. Fear they'll be retaliated against or fear they won't be believed. And sometimes their mental and emotional health has been so degraded from the abuse that they just lose hope. And when a victim of abuse has lost all hope, hope in being believed, hope in receiving justice, Hope that they can find their way through the damage? When they've lost hope in themselves? Hope in the future? When a person has been deconstructed and emotionally broken down so massively that they no longer have hope in even living? You begin to see begin to understand the reality of what was done to them. And abusers do not fucking care. They will exit one relationship and just jump right into the next one. I'm not aware of many victims that do that shit, but abusers do. And they know they have hurt their victims. Remember, it's all by design. The hurt they cause feeds them. And when they leave is when they inflict some of their greatest hurt. And it feeds them still. And they are happy. They are happy knowing you are hurting. Because your reactions to those insecurities they created justifies their abuse in creating them. Sick, twisted logic. But it's the reality. And when we talk about hope, I need to go back. And I will. I'm going to go back. I'll go back to that moment. The effects of of, of emotional abuse and in, the the insecure relationships and emotional abuse, and that loss of hope. I will go back to that moment in my life when I just gave up. When, when the gravity of the situation was so crushing, and so overwhelming, where I'd been, I'd been conditioned. I'd been conditioned to believe everything. Everything abusive that my ex had done to me. That I deserved it. That I was going crazy. I honestly, I I, I was going, I, I was out of my mind. I did not understand reality. I I was so confused. When I go back, when I just could not take any more of it. When I just could not see a way through the emotional and financial damage that I was left to figure out all on my own. And it was fucking bad. When I just lost all hope. I lost hope in myself. I lost hope in my future. And so I go back to that night. The night I considered hitting the easy button. And making it all go away. To the moment that finally pushed me over the edge. And it was a call a video call, a FaceTime with my ex. Just four days after she informed me that our entire life together had been nothing but another lie she told. but It was the biggest lie of them all. So I reached out to my best friend. He then reached out to my ex and implored her to speak to me because of how bad I was feeling. And he felt that maybe if she spoke to me it would help and she reluctantly she reluctantly agreed and so we talked i remember most of the conversation i just i honestly do not remember how long it was but I mean, it wasn't for very long but i vividly remember the look on her face when she answered I vividly remember the look on her face throughout the conversation and I very vividly remember the look on her face at the end. And when she answered, it was a smirk. A very smug, slight, beaming smirk. A smirk of pride. She was proud. Proud of what she was seeing. Proud of what she had done. Proud of what she was doing. Just, just proud to see I was hurting. And this smirk would get a little bigger when I would ask where she was, how she was. It then became a smirk saying, ha ha, fuck you. I'm not telling you anything. Ha ha, I hurt you. It was It was this smirk of silent laughter, just silently laughing at me. Now, she did speak a few times by telling me she was doing great. And I'm not telling you anything about where I am. She may have only spoken a couple more times after that. But she really didn't have to. The smirk on her face and the pleasure in her eyes said everything she wanted to say. And that smirk gradually became bigger after every question I asked. Knowing that she had power and control and denying me any type of resolution. Oh, I didn't do that after I asked why she chose to leave me. Oh, I'm not going to get into that with you. When I asked if we could just simply talk to resolve whatever was causing all of this. And she reserved her smile for the end. Right at the end of the conversation. When I told her how broken I was. That I had lost all hope and finding a way through the damage. And then I just didn't want to go on with my life anymore. There was no half ass smile on my face. It was genuine sincerity. It was raw pain. It was complete and authentic hopelessness. And as I'm telling her this, the smirk on her face became a smile. She was proud. She was proud to see me in that much pain. She was proud of what she had done. She was proud of what she was doing. She was proud that I was destroyed and proud that I was broken. In this moment, I am telling her that I have given up on life. And she is smiling back at me. Proud of it. And I will never forget her face. I don't really know how a person can unsee that. It was evil. It was soulless. It was heartless. And it was the smile of an abuser. It was an artist stepping back to admire their finished piece of work. That was her face in that moment. And not to be outdone by the smile, she then blamed me for what she had done, as she would continue to do and still does to this day. My reactions to her abuse made her, forced her, actually, to seek out someone else and leave. But this is also the same person who five days earlier, in 12 solid hours, before telling me she was leaving, was begging me over the phone, begging me to rearrange my schedule and drive four and a half hours with our dogs so that I could stay with her for two nights because she didn't feel good and just wanted her family. Just wanted her family with her because she loved us so much and missed us. 12 hours later, After I asked about her secret life that I had just uncovered, well, she no longer wanted to be married and had been wanting to leave for a while. That I had invaded her privacy by uncovering what she was doing. That she was entitled, entitled to have a secret, separate life. One that I was not allowed to be aware of or a part of. And that me asking to know what was going on was controlling That same woman was now smiling at me. No acknowledgement of what I was saying. Not a single apology. No remorse. Just a smile. Pride in what she had done. And the call ended. And it was then that I wrote a note. I sent my buddy a text message. I errantly put my phone in my pocket with the ringer still on, and I walked into my garage and tied a knot. This is what an insecure relationship can do to a person. This is what insecure relationships can do to a victim. This is what an insecure relationship will whittle you down to. It removes your humanity. You question reality. You lose self-worth because your self-worth has been gradually attaching itself to your abuser. Your self-esteem has been robbed. You've been privately and publicly humiliated so much that all of the things you once believed that were great and good about yourself, the same things that were praised and loved by your abuser in the beginning, they're now the very same things that they detest about you. And they will tell you how much they detest these things. They will tell you how little they value you in anything positive or wonderful that you've done for them. They will outright tell you this, or they will passive-aggressively tell you by acknowledging the same great and good things in someone else. Or claiming they did for themselves all of the positive and wonderful things you did for them. It's their little way. of Letting you know that they know what they did. And they know what they're doing. The long-term effects of, of an insecure relationship can be disastrous for victims. The depth of the destruction for the victim just increases the longer the relationship will go on. And the longer it lasts, the greater the pain and damage is going to be when it ends. And when prolonged abuse can cause a victim to take their own life, it is imperative for all of us that we not only raise awareness on this issue, but that we also become better educated on what is essentially homicide. So, September is Suicide Awareness Month. And as somebody who has lost friends to suicide and somebody who was moments away from it themselves, I would like to encourage each of you listening to take some time out of your day and go and support one of the many wonderful suicide prevention organizations that are out there. Please take some time to learn about how you can become a better support element for someone. You never know. You never know when it will be needed. Hopefully never. But with taking some time and learning Having that information readily available, if and when that time ever comes, could end up saving someone's life. And if you're listening and you are someone who has been put through prolonged abuse, who has been broken down to the point you no longer see any hope, who is considering making one final decision about their life who thinks this is the only way to have some measure of control for yourself, it's not worth it. It is not worth doing. It is not a good idea at all. You may think it is, but it is not. You are not going to have the desired effect that you think you will have. Your abuser does not care if that was your intent. This will not hurt them. The reality is we lose control. We want, with everything spinning out of, it's just spinning out of control. We don't feel in control of our lives. Everything is our fault. We, we, we're so confused. We can't control But we've had control all along. And if you're struggling, you have control. Every one of us. Every one of us has purpose. Every one of us has value. And every one of us has a future. And that future, well, it's uncertain. But with that uncertainty comes power and control. Because you get to control what it becomes. And what a wonderful gift that is. You get to shape and form your future into whatever you set your mind on. To whatever your heart is set on. Your future is right there. And it is yours for the taking. And that... That is a decision worth making. Thank you.